1: Soxy. Good morning, Tim. Tim, how are you, girl?
2: I feel like I haven't spoken to you in quite a while. I know. We haven't had, like, one of our good sessions together. Yes, you, know, you know why? Because our last interview was with Glennon Doyle, and I feel like, you know, when you hit that high, you're, like, so worried about the next person who comes on, and I was like, <laughs> I have to wait for someone super special, because you can't go from, like, Glennon to someone who you're like, oh, gosh, this is not going to go so well. <laughs> So this is all the pressure on our next guest. Cause I'm like <laughs> racking my brain thinking, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's who, who's like changing the world in their field.
1: And then bingo. I, right mean, even. I think we nailed her. I think we got it. We got it. So no pressure, Emma.
3: No pressure at all. I want to say you guys, I think it's all downhill from Glennon Doyle. Like,
1: <laughs> seriously.
3: Seriously. She is it. She is it right now, but she is it forever. And you know, when I think of Glennon, I just like her tombstone is going to read, single-handedly is responsible for probably five million divorces in the United States.
2: (laughs) All same-sex marriages going to same-sex marriages or or her tombstone will say you can do hard things.
3: Yeah, we can do hard things. Yeah. But wait, I I have to
2: introduce you. So for those of you who don't know, Emma Isaacs is a leader, an author, an entrepreneur, a businesswoman, a biz chick. Did you see what I did there? Um, She's a mom of six, which is nuts to me. Um, She started her own company, after you left college after six months, am I right? And you bought business chicks a few years later, even though I think you said that people told you not to buy it. And you have grown this business into something that I am actually so in awe of because I feel like I can't even finish my Um, (laughs) day-to-day. You have spoken to people such as Brene Brown, who is one of my, is is a Glennon Doyle to me, Richard Branson, Kate Hudson, Gloria Steinem, so many people. Um, You've raised over $13 million for charity. Um, You've helped women grow their businesses and their careers, and you really are the trailblazer um in your field and i am i've been in all of you for many years and i just really i'm sure you hear this all the time and it's so annoying but how the fuck do you (laughs) do it because i feel like i can't do i can't do anything i can't even have a podcast and and change my kid's diaper at the same time so you have made me feel very bad about myself just the
1: kid part alone my god six kids on top of like all the businesses you do how do you
3: do it emma it's nuts. It's nuts, you guys. I mean, um, so my kiddos range, the big one is 11 mm-hmm. and down to three months. So my little guy oh my um, is three months and he's just oh. delicious. He's so cute. Um, oh. but he will grow up to be a very smelly <laughs> boy one day. <laughs> um, so they're 11, nine, seven, five, three, and the little one. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I wish I had something better to say to you than, you know, what I'm going to say. I don't really know. I mean, it's completely chaotic in our house. There's always someone crying. There's always someone, there's always at least two people who are completely naked. Um, <laughs>
0: Sounds like it's, my husband. Uh, <laughs> <that's
2: just me. laughs> and my husband, just kidding. He's not naked ever. <laughs>
3: um, you know, but it's a lot of fun. Like my husband is just as crazy as I am. And, and we kind of, um, we enjoy, Mm -hmm. we enjoy the chaos, you know, and, and I often say to people like, you know, we, we get up and we go about our day and we, you know, you take your three hour hikes. So I do not exercise at all. Um but we, we, we do our we do our stuff and we carry on with our, our day. And like the magic doesn't really happen there, right? Like the magic happens at the extremes, you know, when we're in the chaos of the six kids or whether we're live streaming our home birth or whether we're, you know, building wow. a company or like that's where the fun part happens, right? So I we try and live kind of at the extremes of our lives um as much as we can. And that's what six kids and running a global business means. It's just it's nuts, but we we thrive in that area.
1: Did I just hear you say you live streamed your your books? Yes. I watched it.
3: Did you watch?
1: (laughs) I mean
2: I watched it but I also like I was like, Okay, I sped up to the end too.
3: (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough.
2: I was like, I don't need to go through every contraction with you. So like, I was like, okay, no, this is it. And then one, kid, one of your kids was blocking it. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, right when like, it was like the best part was about to happen. And then I'm for not. everyone who knows, obviously we weren't like right in the action. No, there was we, no we, vagina. We like, no, there was no vagina. It was Although PG. I would have been like, let's show your vagina. Let's show my wow. vagina.
3: You couldn't see my vagina because my belly was so big. So it's fine. Right.
2: <laughs> I can't even see it now because my belly's still so big. Um, no but she live streamed it and then your you, one of your kiddos moved away just at that perfect second and Roxy Ooh. if you want to not scare someone about giving birth and you should have watched like should watch this birth because it was so deep and powerful and it had so much fortitude and strength and grit and grace That I don't think if I had, I wanted a natural birth and I had two C-sections because that's just the way that they chose to came out and thank God it saved both of our, all of our lives. But if I chose to have a birth, my birth would have been like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was, it was pretty unbelievable. (sighs) So
1: what was it about that that made you want to go live with it? Like, did you just want to help other women, like put it
3: out there? Yeah. 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 So, so the backstory is just to that. Um, I grew up being terrified, like petrified of childbirth. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point at which I come to the conclusion, I will never have children because it's not for me. I cannot get something that big out of me, but it's just not going to happen. Right. So, um, and that came about because my glorious and beautiful mom who I absolutely adore, um, had three very traumatic births with me and my sister and my brother. And Mm -hmm. she would always on every birthday recount the stories of (laughs) our births. And she'd be like, I had 32 stitches and I couldn't (gasps) walk for like 18 days, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I became (sighs) petrified of childbirth. Mm -hmm. And then I met my husband, we got married, we fell pregnant five minutes after that. Um, And I kind of quickly realized that this thing was going to have to come out of me in some way. So (laughs) I I started just delving into this huge amount of research, watching every single birth documentary, reading every single book. I went to all the prenatal birth classes. I really just tried to educate myself and started to convince myself that I could have a natural birth. Mm -hmm. So that kind of culminated in my first birth, which was um, at home in a tub and it was beautiful. Um, You know, I was very lucky I was able to do it that way. Not every woman is given that experience, but for me, that's how it worked out. And then I had my subsequent, um, you know, all my other children at home in water as well. And they were all incredible, amazing experiences. And when I went to have my fifth baby, I really wanted to live stream it because I sort of i caught religion on this idea that, you know, birth can be safe and women are strong. And if you mm-hmm. want to have a birth like that, it can be possible for you. Right. So I wanted to live stream the fifth birth, but everyone took me out of it. What if something goes wrong and you're crazy and this is not a good idea. So I didn't do it. And, you know, I'm really, I was really disappointed in myself because I'm someone who tries to encourage all women to lead from their instinct and Mm -hmm. to do what they want and to check in with their feelings and do what feels right. Despite the advice of everyone around you, no matter how successful they are, no matter how bright they are to check in with what you want to do and what feels right. So I really beat myself up for not doing it then. And when I fell pregnant with a six, I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, and I think the timing was beautiful because we were all obviously in lockdown, this happened three months ago. We're in the middle of the, the pandemic. It was at the height of the Black Lives Matter um, protests, and like mm-hmm. literally, as I was birthing the baby, like there were helicopters above um, our home because we live we live right by um, the mayor. So all the protests were on our street. Um, And it was just this moment of, of kind of community, of, of grace, of beauty. It was, it was a a coming together, you know, I mean, obviously I wasn't watching what was going down on the live. I was kind of focused on other things, but (laughs) I, I did rewatch, um, and read a few of the comments (laughs) afterwards and people just said it was just, it was a moment of joy in an otherwise really, really dark time. Um, Mm. I think. I wanted to do it because we're all used to living online now. Like Zoom is our second language. We, we mm-hmm. we're used to, you know, um, consuming content like that. And obviously my, my family from Australia couldn't be here. So it was a, a nice way to kind of share it with them. And then it just be, kind of became a little bit bigger than Ben-Hur. But yes, for me, definitely the, the reason was to want to show women that whatever they want to do, whether that's birth or business, like it's within their power mm-hmm. to, to make that happen. So, and strangely enough, like for a lot of women, they wrote to me and said, you know what, I didn't have births like that or my births were quite traumatic, but watching that experience was a little bit healing for me. So I mm-hmm. thought that was a really nice byproduct of of the whole, um, the whole thing too.
2: I think birth is the ultimate release of control. Mm. And for me, I have had such control issues my whole life that have seeped into every area of it. And you know, having two C-sections was not my plan and when they stick that needle into your back and you lose feeling, I lost feeling up to my neck both times. Wow. You really have to surrender and it and my experience, your experience, it's that real idea of letting go. And it's almost like, I mean, this sounds so sad, but it's almost like why we fear death, right? We fear death because we are so afraid of releasing and letting go and letting whatever the next be what it'll be. Mm-hmm. And that's why I also think we're so afraid of birth. And mm. we all have to do it. and as as much as you fight against it, which I did, until my, my, my second daughter, I fought against it less. I, I remember the, the feeling of numb, the numbness was coming from my toes, like right through to my neck. Mm. I just kept saying to myself, if, if you die right now or if something happens, just be at peace, like just let go. Mm. And that's what I think birth is. And I think, mm. again, you can fight it, but it's, it's, it's you have to just let it be. And it's so amazing to watch someone live <laughs> doing that. Yeah. That's, more, that's more vulnerable... Like Bernie Brown says, um, and special to give that to people and women, it's such a gift to give that is to see you in that state.
3: Yeah, I mean, certainly you want you want to. <laughs> you know, be okay with people seeing you at your, you know, what can be your worst and what can be your your best. And I agree. I mean, I think birth is the ultimate surrender. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to let go of expectations. You know, you didn't expect your first birth to go like that. Mm -hmm. You didn't expect to be, you know, feel what you felt. Um, and I think that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful practice. And I think it's something that I've tried to take in other areas of my life as well. This kind of relinquishing of control and the relinquishing of this idea that we have control, but because mm-hmm. we do not have control of really anything, anything no, right? Not at we, all. We, we, we do not. And we we fool ourselves into believing that we've got it all together and we know how everything's going to work out. And, you know, this is the, the perfect um, example of what's going on right now. 2020 is the, the perfect, you know, kind of storm for this notion of surrendering and being Mm -hmm. comfortable in the uncertainty and not Mm -hmm. knowing what's going to happen in six months. Or who Mm -hmm. knows you guys, it could be a year. We could be in exactly the same situation in our homes. (laughs) Probably. probably, I mean, probably so. In a year's time. Yeah. We just don't know. So I think, yeah, I, I think the sooner that we can come to terms with the fact that we just cannot know and how do we then move forward into that uncertainty and how do we operate from a level of less or no expectation than this sort of you know you let the magic of life surprise you i i i love that idea of you know let it surprise us we don't know we 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 have no clue and there's there's a beautiful kind of magic in in the not knowing i I believe
2: We've all been doing our part to keep our communities healthy and safe, including shopping from home. Greats has been sending shoes straight to your door since 2014. Skip the store, but still find the perfect pair. Amazing.
1: Greats is Brooklyn's first sneaker brand and is known for making the most accessibly priced Italian-made sneakers in the world. They make premium quality classics for men and women that play nice with everything in your wardrobe. And these aren't one-season shoes. They're trend-proof, built to last, and over time will become trusted and well-loved friends.
2: I definitely love mine, Roxy. But you see, that's only half the story. Greats sources the best materials and works with responsible factories that maintain the highest environmental and labor standards to craft premium-quality footwear in an ethical way. Visit Greats.com to learn more.
1: That's G-R-E-A-T-S dot com. it's pretty, really interesting too. I think no doubt you posting those videos that also helps women as we, as you were saying, um, and creates a real community, which is what we try to do here on our podcast on women yeah. on top. Um, and I'm always, every time we have somebody, so, you know, just another wonderful woman on, I love hearing the stories, you know, and Taman and I talk about this, you know, everyone's story is so interesting. So to you, why is it important to kind of share that female story? What, why is the
3: female story important for you? Yeah, it's a beautiful question. So, so I grew up in Australia. You can probably hear the accent.
2: Um, <laughs> you did? And, nah. <laughs> Where's my accent? Where it did it go? People are so mad. People are so mad that I've lost yeah, my accent. I'm like, it's yeah. it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. But <laughs>
3: well, you've lived here for forever. How many years has it been now?
2: It's been sixteen years. But the thing yeah. is, I I didn't do it on purpose I actually did it for a job and then it stuck but it, it, yeah, does, right. it doesn't mean I don't love Australia any less no of course
3: not of <laughs> course not and and listen I find myself going in and out as well and it's not on purpose either it's just like you pick up because we have lived in yeah. LA for almost five years now and half my kids have completely American accents and the other half are Aussies so it's, it's, it's this weird hybrid of they come in and out and they're like mom what's your passcode and then they're like mommy mommy where's my jumper and you know so it's um, it's confusing it's confusing um so I grew up in in Australia and had a really kind of very normal childhood um you know we we certainly didn't have much money it was very sort of lower middle class we wanted for nothing you know it was it was a beautiful um childhood and um my mum is a teacher and my dad is an accountant by trade and Mm -hmm. he got laid off um in my teens and wanted to start his own businesses and so as a result of this newfound kind of you know spiritual self-help uh kind of thing he started listening to all these cassettes remember cassettes Mm -hmm. and um you know dvds and and there were all these books in our house that were from personal development teachers like tony robbins and Mm -hmm you know, Zig Ziglar and Robert Kiyosaki and all those sort of guys. So I started listening, you know, we'd we'd go into a sporting game and we'd listen to the cassette of one of these people. And a couple of things happened in those years. Like the first thing was, um, you know, I got really, really clear that these people were mostly Mm self-made and, You know, they could reach a level of not only financial independence, but they could create wealth for themselves, um, you know, despite not having a really, um, you know, being dropped into a super powerful network or, you know, being brought up in a really wealthy area and and having those connections. The second thing that I kind of clocked was that these teachers, there are hardly any women Right, so they were all kind of rich white dudes mm-hmm. um, espousing these teachings. So I, I think something in me dropped that we needed to change this, and I, I really believe that nothing's by accident, and you know nothing is is kind of um, by default. So you know, carrying that through for my teenage years, um, I went to university for, as Tammy said at the start, for five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I lasted for six months, and I just really got clear that that wasn't for me. I mean going to a big cold lecture theater and sitting there listening to, again, some kind of old dude who'd never run a business before was just not going to get me to where I wanted to be. So I dropped out of uni. I didn't tell my parents because I had absolutely no plan of what I was going to do next. And I met someone out socially um, and ended up buying into her company. It's a long story, but um, met her. She had a little recruitment company. She said, I'm looking to hire someone. Do you want to come in and um, talk with me? So worked there for a little while um, before her business partner exited the business. And as he was walking out the door, he said to her, if you're going to offer equity to anyone in this company, you'd offer it to that little kid sitting there and that was me as an 18 year old. So I ended up buying into this little company, which we grew over the next seven years, um, into a phenomenal little, little business. I mean, we had about 40 staff, um, a great culture. We won a host of awards and it was an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what happened next was, um, a friend invited me along to a business chicks event and Taman's been to a few business chicks events. And I remember my first initial reaction was there's no ways I'm going to that. I mean, A, I'm a professional entrepreneur and B, I'm a feminist. And that is the worst company name I've ever heard in my life. It's all pink. And it's 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 not for me. It's all fluffy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, all of that, all of that.
3: Yeah, Yeah, so... So she said, you need to get over yourself and come along to this thing. So I I walked in the room. I fell in love with it. Um, I heard the business was for sale. I ended up buying it as a 25-year-old and really getting to work. And so I've been building that organization now for the past 15 years. And Mm -hmm. what I've learned from consulting with the tens of thousands of women that I get to speak with, you know, every day, but the, the, um, you know, collective wisdom of those women is completely sacred and something Mm. that we you know, we need to talk about, we we need mm-hmm. to amplify the stories of women. We need to do exactly what you're doing with your podcast and your work. Mm-hmm. And every single woman has such a unique perspective, has a unique um, lived experience and has something to share. And I think we just live in such an exciting time where these stories are coming to the fore. And we do have teachers now mm-hmm. like the Glennon Doyles, like mm-hmm. the Renee Browns, like the Liz Gilberts, like, you know, Oprah. I mean, we, we can go on. We, we We can write lists of these amazing women who Are leading the way and showing us what's possible and it just wasn't like that when I started my companies 20 years ago you know we Mm -hmm. just didn't have teachers like that so you know you ask why is it important um because it's just it's sacred Mm -hmm. it's just such a wisdom in women that we need to continue to amplify we need to continue to teach our daughters we need to continue to talk about um and not stop until you know we've leveled the playing field and and you know, the, the stories are all out there. That's why it's so important.
2: Mm-hmm. And don't you also think it's because we've also been told for so long to not tell our story? Mm-hmm. And for so many years it's been looked or frowned upon or we've been taught, like even Glennon Doyle says, to, like, remain small mm. and to not be loud and to not be disruptive and to mm. not be too, to be opinionated but not be too opinionated because, yeah. like like we all say, that's bossy, um, yeah. that's aggressive. That's not mm-hmm. a leader. Um, that's and not so feminine. It's been, yeah, yeah, it's not mm-hmm. feminine. It's not pretty. It's mm-hmm. not soft. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And exactly. isn't it because
2: like, you know, we, we all have daughters, all of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to check myself because yeah. my daughter doesn't like to wear dresses and in my brain, I'm like, well, well, you look pretty in dresses and dresses. I wore dresses and you look so yeah. lovely, but I have to check yeah. myself and go, you know what? So if she doesn't mm-hmm. want to wear a dress, mm-hmm. then fine.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And there's a, there's a huge amount of unlearning that we all have to do oh, yeah. as women and as mothers. And you're right. It, it, it trips me up as well. You know, you, you see your daughter w- walk in and she looks beautiful for whatever reason you, you go to say, you look beautiful. And I, I catch myself all the times saying, I don't want to talk about how she looks and I don't want Mm -hmm. that to be the first message that I send her when she walks in a room, you know, but it is, as you say, it's such, um, innate programming that there needs to be a rewriting and there needs to be an unlearning of the messages that we were given in childhood. Right. And I know we all have daughters. I, um, have two sons as well, and I'm constantly analyzing myself saying, am I giving the same messages to the girls as Mm -hmm. I am to the boys? You know, I mean, probably not. Right. And and probably not. I mean, I'm aware. Awareness is the first step, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's again. It's just that we we know no better because it's what we were taught. But we really, in order to break the cycles and reclaim power, we have to stop that conversation. Analyze, you know, where we're going wrong. And and it's just really important to send the same messages and give both the girls and the boys, the same opportunities. And I'm absolutely no expert in that at all. But like I said, I think if we have an awareness around it, that's a very, very good first step.
1: Well, how do we, the question is too, how do we, once we have the awareness, how do we deprogram them? Is it by, Mm. you know, listing other things saying, oh, you're, you know, you're so intelligent or I really like Mm. the way you did this, or I love your effort on this, you know, is it like Mm. substituting in those other things or what is the best way to deprogram that?
3: Listen, I have six children, and I think I've read one parenting book. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you need to get someone else on that. The, 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 the one thing, the one thing that I, I have read or learned um, is, is what you said there as well. It's it's about um, noticing the thing rather than the person, right? So, um, you know, it's it's not saying, "Oh, wow, you're so smart." It's about saying, "Oh, wow, you did really well on that." Math problem, mm-hmm. or so, so noticing the thing, not the actual person. So that was that was one little thing. And then the other thing, you guys, which I find really helps me with my parenting. And again, I'm absolutely no expert, I just happen to have a hundred of the little <laughs> critters flying around. But it's this notion of nurture versus nature, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I take a lot of strength and a lot of calm knowing that pretty much <clears throat> the way they come out of you mm-hmm. and go forth into the world. And continue on is pretty much the way they're going to end, right? Mm-hmm. And as you said, Tammin, we can guide and we can kind of, you know, it's not even manipulate, but we can kind of lead and mold and, and model. We want to role model behaviors, absolutely. But if they came out of you kicking and screaming, yelling, you know, being... Rambunctious and a little bit challenging as a toddler and all that mm-hmm. sort of
2: stuff. Chances are they're going to be like they're Rats. going to cause the yeah 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 right yeah. But when the second one came out, I'm like, we're well, good. She's such an easy baby. No. Bingo. Turn one. No. Grapple. Uh, we've got Monster. two of the same spirited children. I know. Oh. So what did I expect? Like, I'm not, I'm not a wolf. No. I'm not easygoing. I'm like, you know, I, I'm demanding and I'm yeah. loud and I'm right. excited. Like it's it willful. And so what, I thought I was going to have two children yeah. that were just going to say, yes, mommy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Never going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs>
2: you run yeah. such a massive business and you do it with such ease and grace. And I, You know, when I was looking into your and delving into your life, I thought like, you know, I run a business that's pretty much, you know, Roxy and I run our businesses where we're like front and center. And you run a business with so many people looking up to you and being a leader. And I always think to myself, like, what kind of leader would I be? And it's hard to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And you do it so well. So what does it take to be a good leader? You must have learned so many things along the way mm. and I'm sure so many listeners who are entrepreneurs who are starting off in their careers as business are like okay so what are the main things that I can do mm. to be a good leader mm. Mm.
3: it's a it's a beautiful question that's a big question yeah. as well <laughs> and- change
2: the world? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: What do you want your legacy to be?
2: <laughs> like we're like, do you believe in God
1: now? She's like, great. Right, no. We have like two minutes left, two minutes left in the interview. And it's like, Let me just
3: sneak it in there. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, listen, I think the thing that's a little bit unique about my story is that I haven't mm. actually worked for anyone else before, right? So I've just been making it up as I go from the age of 18 and having started my first company then. So that presents a really... Beautiful kind of problem mm. um, that I've had to face of not having really anyone. Like I've never worked under a manager before. I've never worked under a leader. I've never really reported into anyone. I've always been responsible for my own paycheck, and you know that kind of life makes you hustle and makes you kind of live a little bit on the edge, you know, because you got to figure out how am I going to pay my rent or my mortgage, mm. or you know. So that's kind of unique. Um, so in, in terms of leadership, I mean, I think the leader that my if you were to ask my people that, I think um, they'd say I was um, a, a kind person and I was genuine and um, I was a good listener. So I think those characteristics are really, really important. But I think what else is important, it's absolutely been shown up this year um, as we've been working remotely and not having the the sort of um, avenues to communicate that we always do, not having the water cooler conversations, not being able to physically be with someone and, you know, mm-hmm. high five and give hugs and all that sort of stuff. It's really showed up people's leadership and, you know, separated the, the girls from the women or the the boys from the men. And I think the biggest leadership quality that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, I mean, by the way, I, firstly, I think everyone's a leader. I think Mm. sometimes we define leadership in the wrong way. So we think, oh, it's just the boss. It's a person up here. It's a woman on top. It's a, it's a whatever. So leadership doesn't apply to me, right? That's a a fallible, it's a fallacy, you know, it just does not exist. So we all have to ignite the leader in us. But Mm. for me, really, 2020 and leadership has really been about vulnerability, right? So we're all living in such a time of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. We all do not know what's going to happen, as we said, in in the near future. So, you know, being able to be vulnerable with your people and say, hey, listen, I've got no clue how this is going down. I have no clue what I'm doing here. Um, You know, I'm asking you to trust in me and walk through this together. But, you know, it, it does take a special person to be able to be that vulnerable and it does take a special person to be able to put their hand up and say, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I don't have the answer here. And I think given that throughout my, my entire career I haven't had the answers and I've had to make it up on the fly and I've had to ask a million questions and I've often had to be the person in the room that puts a hand up and asks a silly question because I don't know. And I'm not embarrassed about doing that. You know, mm. I think a lot of the time people hide behind a degree or um you know, level of education or whatever else it is, but you know, I haven't had all those things to to hide behind. So I'm just always the one in the in the group that says, "Can you explain that to us?" And often you'll find that everyone else doesn't know the answer either. But I'm the one vulnerable enough to put up my hand. So I think vulnerability is, you know, and admitting you don't have the answers is a really important leadership quality. Um, I think deeply and intently being able to listen and be present with people mm-hmm. is a really wonderful leadership quality, and. Yeah, I, I think you can spot someone who isn't interested, um, you know, and then they're not present. I mean, I, th- I think one of the key, key characteristics of charismatic people is that they're present with you and they're interested. They ask more questions and they listen intently. So I think I'd say those, those sort of things, being present with your people and, and always being vulnerable as a leader is really, really important.
1: You know, Tammin, it was interesting, said in the intro that, you know, you had talked to all these amazing women, Glennon Doyle, Brene Brown, Kate Hudson, and you had an opportunity to really interview and chat with these women. Who of them, like, who was your pinch me moment where you were just like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I just, you know, got the chance to interview this person?
3: Yeah, listen, I mean. I think Michelle Obama was like meeting oh. Michelle Obama. I mean, it doesn't get any better than right. that, right? It just really doesn't. Um... You are like just
2: God. I mean, I mean, I mean, mean the sure.
3: questions,
1: you just
2: like true in name, God, like, but I believe in Michelle no, Obama. Just Obama.
3: <laughs> You're
1: like okay, I'm done. Okay, I don't need to interview <laughs> yeah. anyone else. It's, it's,
3: it's like you guys. It's like Glenn and done. Yeah, yeah no. no, it's. I mean, it's it's so awkward answering that question without feeling like a total wanker. That's more Australian. Sort of Roxy, um, she's always yeah, like, I mean, "What? Yeah, yeah. wankers not explain. the same.
2: The, is not the same sort I, of that you would think." i Yeah,
3: I. Like. What's the word then? Tell like a tosser or a... No, that you
2: know, sounds that's, like that's the a, same that's... thing, which has to do with men's <laughs> genitalia. I know, um, I know. I mean, just what, like, what do we like, say no. in America?
3: What do we say? Like, like if you're being a wanker, what are you being here?
2: Like like an a-hole? No, like an ass, like an ass. Okay, I mean, like, you're <laughs> like you're being a... I'd be a dick. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is the same thing. It really is. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> if you're being bad, it's that part of the body of a man. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly, right, exactly, exactly. The bad and one. Wrong, out of the way, <laughs> out of the
3: way. Um, but no, listen, like my, my work for the past 15 years has put me in front of some really incredible people. And, you know, I, I it's weird to have this conversation without feeling like I'm name dropping at every turn. But, you know, I, I've spent time with Bill Gates and Sir well. Richard Branson is a friend and personal mentor of mine. And, you know, it's been it's been beautiful to to spend meaningful time with these people and to be able to to learn from them. And, mm-hmm. and really, when it comes down to to it, is what have I learned from these people? What have they taught me? They're exactly like us, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. they they are having their lived experience of imposter syndrome at times. They have self doubt. They have you know, experienced tremendous highs, but you know, huge depths of, of failure as well. But what we do as mere mortals, we put them up on this pedestal and, and think they're unreachable. Yes. Right. And and in in a way, like, you know, the last couple of decades have very much glorified entrepreneurship. You know, we look up to entrepreneurs and and that's fantastic. But, you know, really all these successful people that I've been lucky to to work with all, you know, have the same sorts of problems mm. that, that we do as well um I think they've just been more comfortable to um you know digest failure and just to sit in failure and um you know get up again and and try again that's that's what these people have taught me um mm-hmm. and it's interesting though you know I've got to see them in their public persona as who they are on stage and then travel around with them and, and tour with them and um you know, when you've reached that level of success, what you find is these people are exactly the same off stage as they are on stage. You know, Absolutely. It's, it's, it, and yeah. it's, it's beautiful to watch. So I, I, and, and the generosity is, is incredible as well. Most, mm-hmm. most of the people i have been blessed to, to work alongside are incredibly generous people and very happy to open their networks and, you know, introduce relationships. And so that's been a really beautiful learning and something I want to be able to pass it to people as well.
2: I'm listening to Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Um, I think that was her Netflix special as well, was it? Yeah. Because some of the same things that she'd said in her Netflix special, she said in a book. Yeah. She talks about living wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you, going off Roxy's question on the back of it, what do you think the core beliefs are of these people that are so successful. So, yes, they are like us and they're mortals like us, and we all go to the bathroom and like all that, but they're not like us because they're changing the world in such right. a big way. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, there must be something that connects them in their core values, their core ethics, mm-hmm. their core beliefs. Mm. I want to know so I can change myself. It's just because I'm trying to be, I'm like super selfish. I'm like, how can I take over the world? (laughs) Um, No, but I want to know like, what do they all have in common? There must be things because when when I listened to that Brene Brown, daring greatly, she said like, you know, to live wholeheartedly, you must live like this and not this and like this and like this. And I did I, I'm doing all the wrong things. <laughs> it's like, don't compare yourself. Do, you know, yeah. just uh, be a trail, but whatever it is. Mm. But I compare and I self-loathe sometimes mm. and I blame sometimes mm. and I uh, uh, hide and I avoid mm. and all these things that don't make up wholeheartedness mm. are some of the things that I do that I need to work on. So I'm feeling like these people don't have
3: the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. You've admitted that. That's that's a, very, that's a really beautiful thing. Maybe we can edit it out. <laughs> oh,
2: no, I'm all about telling the truth because you know what? No, I, I, love like I love it. We yeah. all struggle. I yeah, love it. We all struggle with parts of those mm-hmm. things. Um, yeah, of course we do. Absolutely. But we never tell anyone. And so we feel alone in it, you mm-hmm. know?
3: Yeah, and we all feel less than. I 100% agree. From my experience, I would tell you this. Um, These people have a bigger vision for their their lives Mm -hmm. than themselves, right? So they have superseded their own importance and have attached to a vision that is greater than themselves, right? Mm. So whether that is, you know, Bill Gates wanting to eradicate a disease, whether that's, um, you know, I mean, Glenn and Joy with her together rising. Whether that's um, Brene Brown wanting to bring forth a conversation around vulnerability and what that means for communities and and people and individuals and companies. Whether it's, um, oh, I mean, we could we could go on. Like Sir so Richard Branson, I really admire for this because he now uses business as a force for good and genuinely wants to use his platform to impact myriad causes, like so many different things that he's got, you know, he's got his fingers in so many different pies. So I would say that I I think really it's about getting out of the way of yourself and Mm. and trying to transcend those things that we all do suffer from to be able to say, this is a short life. We have such a finite amount of time on this planet. Um, I don't want to die with those recurring, you know, themes or issues. Um, And I want to be in service. And I think when you change that conversation to being in service to others, something kind of elevates and, and really lifts. And that's what I've seen with these people that they've transcended themselves and their own problems and their own worries. And instead of being so kind of looking inward, um, they're now like, okay, I've, I've got to take this and I've got to look outward and I've got to make an Mm. impact and I've got to influence. And I think that's a really common theme with those really, really, really successful people. And, um, it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. It's, it's a really, it, it is wholehearted living, you know, it's, Self-actualization, and yeah. um, you see, you see the impact that these people have, and it's um, something that we all should aspire to. I think.
1: So they basically take the ego out of it, which in and of (laughs) itself, (laughs) we are like, this is what they're saying, (laughs) which that is is (laughs) ego. (laughs) So they take that out, which is not an easy thing to do, you know, yeah, it's really hard, but you're like, you're saying it's like, you have to be self-actualized and just know that what you're doing is for the greater good and not for yourself. Mm. Right. Yeah. And not just for yourself. Mm
3: -hmm. And I don't know, I don't know how how that happens. I mean, I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's just, um, I guess it's this, right. I guess it's like, they get to a point of, I probably have enough, right. You know, like how much more money do I need? How many more companies do I need? Um, you know, what is it all about? So yeah, I think there's definitely a level of, um, I don't know, spiritual growth and, Mm -hmm. and, yeah I just evolution if you like that we we do need to leave this life whether you believe in that we have many lives but we we do need to have left this life having made an impact on people and Mm -hmm. they have the resources and the platform to be able to extrapolate that out and really reach millions of people um yeah that that's what I've that's what I've learned from from those successful people.
2: It's funny, I was reading a book recently that said a lot of our problems come from the feeling of scarcity Mm -hmm. um, and they're not being enough. Like they're not Mm -hmm. being enough podcasts to launch or TV shows to be on. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're always feeling like you have to fight someone else to get somewhere, Mm -hmm. that's where the ego starts to come in because you Mm -hmm. think, well there's not enough food to put on the table for my kids. Mm. So I'm always trying to claw someone else to try Mm. to get above them. Mm. And I think if we understand that notion and then try to fight against it, then I think, you know, I think we can live in that more abundant idea mm. because you feel like there's only one idea and there's only mm-hmm. one company and there's only one TV show and there's only one thing. And then I think yeah. we, we operate out of fear. Yeah. And when we operate out of fear and yes. lack, that's when the ego is like kicks in. Kicks in.
3: Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I really do. I, I think what's helped me is to be kind of philosophical about Different opportunities, mm. whether that be, you know, your work is different to mine. But being really f- philosophical about, you know, what is meant to be for you will find you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I often say that to myself. It wasn't meant to be for me. That one wasn't meant to be mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's cool. So if you can kind of just rise above a little bit and yeah, remain a little bit philosophical, um, I think that's a really really nice way to live your life as well. And and again, it circles back to that notion of trying not to have these deep-seated expectations about the way things should be right or or by now like okay you're 40 and I'm whatever like and I'm 40 and therefore I should be here by now and I'm not Mm -hmm. there by now therefore I am a failure and you are better than me and it's it's, like you said Tavan, it's like this constant compare and despair like compare and despair and despair it's like I don't have that you know and I think the you know the age that we live in is is so dangerous for that you know Mm -hmm. because we do end up just scrolling mindlessly and, and comparing ourselves, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's dangerous. And I have no answers of how the three of us are going to navigate that with our with our girls when the time comes. It's um, it's you know, frankly, really really frightening. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. watching my kids. You know, my oldest is eleven now. She started to be on TikTok and all these sort of mm-hmm. things. And just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> because my tiktok
2: account she is really good. good and really funny I think so I you. I think
1: you should I because you. it's really just <laughs> no it is i've been me a stuff it's really really good the one where you were um,
3: dancing i love that one with the egg and that was really good. That was really good really cool. so yeah but the um yeah the sexualization of yeah. you know, girls on there and it's that's just a whole other minefield that the three of us are going to have to navigate and, and kind of work out. Um, but this, yeah, this constant notion that we are only, you know, the collection of our likes and our followers, mm. and it's, it's just such a pile of crap and mm-hmm. it's the wrong barometer. It's the wrong marker to, to validate our worth. Um, so yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to as a parent to four girls. Woo!
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I know. Well, that's, it's a whole nother level of something that we have to deal with that we never had to go through growing up. So it's like, for them, it's just like this added pressure and it seems like it gets younger and younger and younger. And like, these kids are getting phones younger. And the, you know, social media is starting younger. So like, what would you say is sort of like the age where you think it's, it's okay for the kids to have phones or it's okay
3: for them to be on social media? Uh, I don't know. What I mean, was your I, measure? Yeah. I really pushed up against that for a long time and, mm-hmm. and I, I think I probably caved to the peer pressure of, you know, what was going on in class a little bit. So I got to a point where my 11-year-old was the only kid mm-hmm. in her class without a phone um, and that may sound like really kind of flimsy parenting but it, it does start to play. Like she's going to middle school now, she's mm-hmm. not catching the bus right now because she's not going into school but that, you know, I need to be able to contact her. So the phone came about through, through that. So, you know, for me it was 11, but you know, there, there are kids in my seven-year-old's class with phones and <sighs> that, that is that, that makes me feel entirely uncomfortable, but you know, I, who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? You know, I'm not, it's none of my business what other people do, but I, I certainly tried to hold off of, of that for as long as possible. And
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah it's hard. One of the stories that made me fall in love with you even more is, um, can you tell everyone the story about, did this happen or did I dream it? You were at the airport and you have so many kids (laughs) and you forgot one of their passports. (laughs) Yeah, kinda. Didn't that happen? And then (laughs) something happened and then the other kid had to fly with someone. And I thought like, I would have lost my crap. Like I would have not been able to cope. Like I don't do well with like lots of chaos at the same time. And then like yeah. a lot of bright lights and I'm, I feel very outside of like my body and out, like out of my comfort zone. Yeah, But I felt like you handled it <laughs> so well. And that's your latest book is called Winging It. And mm. so tell me about Winging It in that situation wait tammy do yeah. you
1: remember we were maybe going to call our podcast winging it do you remember that yes we almost called our podcast maybe. winging it yes i'm sorry <laughs> emma no, you, you said there's, there's you said <laughs> you said
2: abundance you just said abundance yeah, everyone can have it <laughs> everyone can
3: no that's awesome um, that's so funny I started thinking about that um Uh, as I'm telling that story I was thinking about a different story because we have so many airport stories where Mm -hmm. we forget children and bags and passports but yeah what happened was um we had to go back to Australia and um this is going to paint my husband as a complete um saint here but he (laughs) I had to stay in the country and and do some more work for a week or so and he had to get back on a plane and come back to LA where we live and um bring the five kids on his own and as we we uh, yeah, crazy. Um, I would never do that. By the way, never, I would ever, never.
2: I wouldn't ever, do it with ever. my two kids. I'd be like, no way.
3: I know. And <laughs> I, I mean, the sneaky thing for me is I always try and like take one and um, you know, fly business with that one, and then send
2: <laughs> the other time. I, Yep, I do and that. never tell too. him. That's <laughs> it's really,
3: it's One's, really enough.
2: One's enough. One's enough.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, we got to the airport at Sydney Airport, and um, they all check in, and one of the I don't know, there's something about one of the passports didn't have her visa in it. We'd renewed her passport and we'd left the one with the visa back in America and anyway, she couldn't fly so I had to take one of them with me and she had to stay with me in Australia for a week and my husband got away with just taking four. We only had five at the time so he took four um, on his own. Mm -hmm. So that happened. There was another time we were just going on vacation to Hawaii so we rock up at LAX and um, the five kids are there and we get to the security part where we have to, you know, we've checked in and checked all our bags in we get up to security he says how many in your group and we say there's seven of us and he's like but you only have six boarding passes
1: mm. and it
3: turns out we hadn't bought a, a ticket for the 4 world. <gasps> uh, we just forgot about him
1: <laughs> together. Happens
3: this. we have so many i, I mean like an i'm alone yeah. moment you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that happens all the time and <laughs> I, 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 I love it It does. I mean, we we. I think we are raising our children on this like healthy diet of neglect, right? It's (laughs) just like like how much we neglect them, and that's going to somehow breed this brilliance and Uh, amazing. I mean, I got a text yesterday. This is really embarrassing from one of my kids' teachers saying, "Can you please cut Piper's nails?" (laughs) I love it. More underwear, and I'm like, "What's this come to?" I mean, what is this? How embarrassing is that? having her nails clipped it's like just this thing and I just haven't got around to it but anywho um so so listen this is how we live our life we, we live our life on the edge mm-hmm. we live our life in chaos um we live our life without knowing how it's going to turn out we live our life um with a complete lack of control right mm-hmm. Taman's point and you know, it sort of dawned on me that this is what I've been doing for my entire career, like way pre-kids, you know. It's this kind of notion, wing it to me is just about going, you know, saying yes to opportunities and mm-hmm. figuring out the rest as you go along. It means saying yes without knowing how things are going to turn out. It means not overthinking and overanalyzing every single scenario and trying to plan out for this like perfect life, which is never ever gonna happen, right? So it's this kind of deal of going with the flow and relaxing a little bit and mm-hmm. being calm and, and not comparing and, and just trying to to just be and do the best you can in every single moment. It's about being more kind to ourselves. It's about letting go of the expectations, and that—that that to me is what wing it is all about. And it's just been something that's been a recurring theme in my entire life. You know, dropping out of university without having a plan, starting my first company without having mm-hmm. a plan, buying business chicks without having a plan, moving to the states without having a plan, having six hundred children without having <laughs> having a plan. And you know, so far it's um it's been a, it's been a beautiful kind of way to live, and it's it's um when you can let go of, you know, thinking that everyone else has this perfect plan and everything's going to plan for everyone else, which is, as you know, definitely not the case. It, it just, um it makes life a lot more light, I think. Mm-hmm. And when you can have this ability to kind of laugh at yourself and um, just be with what is, it's, mm-hmm. it's just. It's a really beautiful, beautiful journey. It's a really beautiful way to live. You know,
1: you've said that you kind of be with what is, and you've really had a journey that's had, you know, a lot of great ups, but also some downs too. Um, your oldest was four years old when they were uh, diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which I'm sure was just an absolute nightmare. Um, how did that go for you? How did, how did you find out, like, how did you navigate that, you know? Yeah
3: yeah listen it, no parent wants to hear the words you know your child has cancer it's it's it doesn't get much worse mm-hmm. than that um, so she was she was four um we found a lump on her neck mm. and took her straight into the doctor and the doctor's like listen kids you know have, have we all have glands that go up and down all the time they're growing don't worry about it so we watched it for the next couple of months it did start to get a little bigger we went into the doctor they're like don't worry about it it's super fine no problem mm-hmm. um my mother's intuition kicked in pretty hard one day when it had grown significantly and I'm like no we we need to you know sit up a little bit you know taller about this so we took her into the children's hospital and the um they they sent us up to the oncology department which scared the shit out of my husband and um me straight away um and one of the oncologists came out and just sort of sat there and ran his hand over her neck and said this has to come out like we need to we need to get this mm. out with to biopsy biopsies straight away.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, he was saying all this without her, um, watching, but he's like, it needs to come out. And so we found ourselves, um, you know, the next day, um, having a biopsy on her neck, um, you know, it came back that she had Hodgkin's lymphoma, which mm. is um, a really, really rare form of cancer, but also a highly, highly treatable and curable cancer. So, you know, I mean, you never want to have cancer, but if you are going to get cancer, that's the one you want to have. So we always knew, um, you know, there was a 99% chance that she was going to be healed and and cured sweat that Mm -hmm. didn't take away the enormity of what we were you know, up against. And Mm. we, um, you know, initially thought that we would just have, have a surgery to, to have the entire kind of mass and the cancer taken out. And that might be, we'd kind of, you know, emerge relatively unscathed. But the next day we presented into the ward to, to um, have a chat with the oncologist and we learned that she would have to go through um, three rounds of, well, they didn't know how many rounds of chemo at that point, but she'd have to undergo chemotherapy and mm. it started for like the next day. And um, it was awful. I mean, you know, I remember after the first um, chemo session, we went home and the doctors had said to us, you know, she, she may be sick you know, she may have a lot of nausea. She may not. And my husband and I went to bed that night mm-hmm. and I wasn't really sleeping, but she, I remember her, she's so small, like four, she was so tiny. And her coming into our bedroom, running into our bedroom saying, mommy, I've been sick. I've been sick. And as she was <sighs> saying, that she vomited again. And then I'm like, fuck, and then got her out of bed. And then she's running to our bathroom. She's vomiting again. And I'm just mm. like, this, this is, please God, like, why not me? Like, why, why mm-hmm. do this to it?" this fragile little gorgeous kid that mm. does not deserve this. And that's the way life went for the next, um, you know, really year that we were in mm. treatment with her. I mean, we were able to, um, calm the nausea with meds and, and, um, you know, it was a, it was everything you would expect. It was completely tumultuous and terrifying. Um, you know, there was a point at which, I mean, she, she went really puffy from all the steroids, um, mm. As you do, she almost became sort of unrecognizable. She was lethargic. Um, we we thought we'd got in the way, you know, we were very naive with her hair not falling mm-hmm. out, but it all mm-hmm. eventually fell out. And she was at a very formative, you know, four to five, she was entering into kindergarten. So and kids for all their beauty can also be horrible, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean it's not that they're horrible, but they, they have no filter. So, you know, she'd be in the playground wearing her a, a dress and kids would say why is that boy wearing a dress because she was you know completely bald or her hair was growing back so it was very very short to you know kids teased her on the playground for having cancer and it it we, it was it was a really 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 challenging time um mm-hmm. and I, I write about this in the book as well it was also a really it was a really beautiful time because for us it recalibrated a bunch of stuff in terms of what's important um it recalibrated um you know priorities and what we wanted to get out of life and we wanted her life to stand for um so even though it was really a terrible experience there was a lot of beauty there was a lot of joy there Mm -hmm. was a lot of closeness unexpected closeness there was a lot of um deep conversations that we had to have about about you know how we wanted this to go down so Mm -hmm. you know it was it was equal parts um terror and and joy but listen she's as I said, a very, very healthy 11 year old now. And she's, um, she's doing beautifully.
2: It's like in those dark moments, like that's when you see the light. I always say to people that Mm. the darkest point in my life is when I kept having these really far along miscarriages. And I, Mm. and yet I look back at some of those moments and like, when we went through one of our worst, it was the closest I've ever felt to my husband. Mm. Like in that, Because I feel like when you're in that type of pain, nothing else matters. Like it's just all the bullshit Mm -hmm. goes away and we spend so much of our life stuck and bathed in bullshit Mm -hmm. that when things like this happen, it really wakes you the fuck up and Mm -hmm. goes, wait a second, why do I spend so much of my life focusing on things that are so meaningless Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when there's so much more, you know, so I, yeah. I do feel like that type of tragedy and tragedies in general mm-hmm. they really do sort of uh, make us see the perspective, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rock, should we do a never have I ever and then let yeah. Emma go to her <laughs> 17 million children <laughs> are you gonna have any more kids are you having more kids are you having more kids I don't know babe I don't oh, know she's like maybe no 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 I,
3: I feel like it would be the sensible thing to just shut the shop and be done with it but why? the thing is this like I, I yeah bless you but like I think <laughs> um why um I don't know. I mean, I have this weird thing about odd and even numbers. I hate even numbers, so I have the six right now. get <gasps>
1: oh. really
3: like, this! Every single one of us is born on an odd day, Um, like the third or the fifth or the uh-huh. whatever. So, like every time I go to like actually push a baby out, I look at my midwife and I'm like, "Can I?" And they're like, "Yeah, you're good to go." Like, <laughs> the first, the I don't know. I, I I think I should not. I think. I just stop here, but who knows? I
1: love it. Seven, yeah, seven yeah. Or lucky number seven, right?
2: <laughs> Thirteen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, we'll do a quick okay. never have I ever. So all you say is I have or I have never. Right. Yeah, right. Cool. I love it. And we'll do a fast round. Okay. okay. Am I
3: allowed to lie? No,
2: I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> you have to tell the you truth. You can. We won't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: oh, okay.
1: Ready. Never have I ever, and this has totally happened to me, let me preface this, sent an email to somebody that I should have not CC'd, and then they saw something and got pissed oh, off. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I have. <laughs> or text, or text. <laughs> yes, I have, 100 times, of course. Yes. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I think someone sent me something like, "Oh, I I think Tammin sucks." There's something like some kind of. She's such a guy. Yeah, girl. and I was like, "Ah, uh, you sent that to me," and then they had to cover by I saying, oh, "It was a joke. It was a joke. It was funny." Yes. And I was like, yeah. "Never speaking to you again." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never yeah. have I ever got drunk with Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs>
3: No, never. She's sober. She's just completed, um, 12 months of being sober. Oh no, that's I,
1: terrible. I, that's a I've, bad yeah. question.
3: <laughs> I've,
2: um, okay, I'm going to change it. No, she does not drink. Okay, what about, um, 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 so Richard Kate Branson. Hudson.
3: Oh,
1: Richard Brown. Kate Hudson.
2: Uh,
3: Kate Hudson was pregnant when we toured oh. with her um, in he's Australia. Her old- we, yeah, I know, bad, bad. Well, bad. Richard, Richard, we've been tipsy together for sure. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's yeah. like a... Massive drinker, but yeah, we've yeah, sure. I mean, cocktails. One and
2: a half, one and a half drinks for me, and I'm ready for this. (laughs) it's it's it's
3: what same. It's one for me. I am like such a, I'm such a lightweight. I drink two on a Friday,
2: (laughs) two on a Friday, and by Friday night, like I am. I know just one night a week. (laughs) I need to put you girls in my training class, how to drink, <laughs> <laughs> how to drink tequila and a lot of it. Oh, no,
1: tequila, After oh,
2: two no. drinks, I want to go to the grocery and I say to Sean, I'm like, I want to go to the grocery because I feel so calm and at peace because grocery stores are so annoying and bright and with COVID everyone's in mm. mad it's so oh, stressful. It is stressful. Yeah, it like, is I can stressful. just stare it at is. the vitamins, and, vitamins <laughs> and like tortillas and like no one's bugging me. It's like perfect. So I'm drunk in Whole Foods.
3: <laughs> But don't you know that we have Instacart? You just
2: you I just do. But like, then I do, then I buy mean. all the things that I don't need when I, you yeah, know I mean, like the all peripheral
3: stuff. No, no, no. No, I, no, I, I get it. I
1: get okay. It. okay next one. Never have I ever embarrassed myself on stage and how, if so,
3: do you want to know? I actually never really embarrassed myself, but I have this nightmare that I'm going to trip up like my worst night mm-hmm. would be like, again, touch with it. I would fall over getting up on stage. Like, can you imagine?
1: <gasps> that I know. Oh. Who is
3: that actress?
1: Jennifer, Jennifer. With... Um. Oh God. Why am I blanking on I her know last what, name? Yeah. I know. She, she tripped like up the stairs. Picture. I know at the Oscars, yes, right? Yes. The yes, Oscars. yes, yeah.
3: yes. I just like that is my worst nightmare, but she handled it like such oh, a pro. pro. She was such a champ. Yes. Um, I, her stocks has been up so well, but no, I, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> on, you guys, not just throw that on me. That's like, yeah, that'd be my worst. But okay, I haven't.
2: Last one. Um, Never have I ever forgot a kid at school. But like oh, for a yeah. long but for a long time. It's like six, seven o'clock or six o'clock <laughs> and they're like, yo Emma yeah, 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 yeah. Your we, kid's still here. <laughs> yeah. We did that last week. We did that last week. Wait, it was what like, happened? Tell the story. so it was
3: like me and my husband were both home and um our babysitter was home and so we all thought that we were each gonna pick up the two kids that um, go to school, just not far from all of us, Tamman. but yeah. So it got to like 10 to six and I'm like, I'm having a nice time. Like I sort of in the kitchen and the babysitter doesn't look like she's going anywhere or doing anything. So I'm like, okay, so she's, she's not stressed about it. It's definitely my husband who's going to be picking up the kids. And so I call him and he's like, no, I thought you were doing it. I'm like, no, I thought you
1: were doing it. And like, it was like
3: Triangulation of we all, and yeah, it was like 10 to six and I meant to pick them up by four thirty. Uh-huh. <gasps> oh no. Call us. I mean, and we got away with it. Fine. They didn't even charge us a late fee. So yeah.
2: um, it's morning. so sad. They put them out the front and they just, <laughs> yeah, like they their they their just little backpacks and they're like, "My <laughs> mommy doesn't love us." You know, they, I mean, they look so forlorn as well. As well. Like, just yeah. like they can't even see me. It's yeah. You know, <laughs>
3: Yeah, times, you guys.
2: I mean, so much. Thank yes. you so much for so being lovely here. I love chatting. Um, so great. It was wonderful. I feel like you're part of the family. You're like, yeah. I don't even know you on this <laughs> wingy
3: podcast. I love it.
2: Yeah, on this wingy podcast. <laughs> thanks for the name.
1: I am right. <laughs> okay, Miss Miss Mo, tell everybody how they can connect with you. Is social media the best way, or yes. where,
3: where do you think? Thanks, Roxy. Yeah, sure. I'm just on Emma Isaacs on all the kind of channels um, or businesschicks.com or emmaisaacs.com as well.
2: And your and new book, wing- book. Yes. Yes. Winging It is oh. on, is, is out for everyone, everywhere? It is, yeah. It's available my on book. Amazon. But it's
3: it's somewhere between like, we have the same
2: same postal office. Did you know
3: that? I I know I should just dropped. I should have dropped it there. I dropped it at your house. (laughs) I know it's (laughs) insane, but it's on its way to you. But for those of you out there, Amazon Barnes and Noble, it's, it's available everywhere. So please grab a copy and enjoy.
2: Amazing. And we are women on top official on Instagram and
1: women on top podcast on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe and comment, everybody.
2: And I am Tammin Sursak, And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women on
1: Time!